Welcome to X-Rated Movies. It is a podcast about movies for movies by two guys who used to date and now they don't. They just get together and talk about movies. My name is Ryan Whedon. I'm one of your hosts. I'm Matt Fisher. I'm also one of your hosts. We're here. We're queer. We don't want any more bears. And I, I, I mean that as, as like the literal animal bears, not the uh, subculture of hair suit stocky gay men those are fine yeah we love those i thought you were gonna say rubenesque uh that is one of my go-to five dollar words but those bears are fine but like grizzlies like they just they don't have any place in the city go back go back to the wild i mean that's what we that's why we have the bear patrol bear patrol tax five dollars what this is an outrage well golly guess what hmm we're back for a new season and uh, yesterday, yesterday was a big day for movies in America. Yeah, it was the second whoriest day in Hollywood. <laughs> What's the first? Golden Globes. Oh, yeah. So yesterday was the Academy Awards. A couple of weeks ago was the Golden Globes. And the Golden Globes, the voters are only the people in the Hollywood Foreign Press Association. Right. Which is only like 60 people. Oh. And all the nominees meet and greet the judges Uh and do like special screenings and things like that so it's like there's like a wine and dine component to the golden globes okay there's only like 60 of them so it's like if you literally like do like a special screen of your movie and charm them well enough then they vote for you Mm. at least the academy award it's like anyone who's ever been nominated for an academy award is in the academy i think is the official rule so that's a lot of people even nominated i thought it was only winners Oh, I thought it was nominated. Let's go with nominated. That seems more like caddy. (laughs) Either way, it's a bigger pool to choose from. Golden Globes is just like 50 to 60 people. Sure. Uh, Yeah, the Academy is is very large. So, you know, you can't whore yourself to all of them hard as you try. Yeah. Believe me, I've tried. (laughs) But yeah, the Academy Awards were last night and... uh, We have no idea who won. Yeah. We are recording this several weeks ahead of that. Yeah. And, uh, but it's fun to speculate. It is fun to speculate. I mean, Shape of Water was nominated 13 times. That's a lot of nominations. So, you know, I was only okay with the movie, but the idea that a movie about, you know, a mute woman, a gay communist, and a woman of color fighting white male capitalism, getting that many nominations... I'm okay with. Yeah. You know, this would also be a really great story Oscar-wise, because then if Guillermo del Toro does win Best Director, that means that all three of the three amigos from Mexico have won Best Director. Oh. Maybe him, uh, Inuritu, and uh, Coron would have all won. What did Inuritu? Wow. Oh, he won it for Birdman? And The Revenant. He's won it twice. Oh, okay. So, you know, that'd be a good story. They, you know, I feel like... There is a certain amount of politics involved where it's like sure. there is a you know a history story arc that they're trying to tell sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would be an interesting one. Well, after the Oscar So White scandal, like they really like reverse their course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thought Chris Rock that year did a stellar job of addressing it. Like he he was the perfect person to like address it. Yeah. But like not dwell on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you want black. People every year at the Oscars just have black categories like best black friend. <laughs> That's right. And the winner for the 18th year in a row is Wanda Sykes. 
but yeah, I mean, in that vein, it'd be really cool to see Jordan Peele win. I don't know if they're going to do it, but like. I like Get Out was one of my favorite movies last year. It was uh, super good, yeah. I didn't get to a lot. I didn't get out to the theater a lot last year, but Get Out was one of them that mm-hmm. I, I did manage to go to the theater for. And I, I was surprised at how he directed it kind of perfectly. Like yeah. it was the right amount of direction for that movie. Yeah. I'm excited to see what he's going to do next. Yeah. Regardless of how the Academy treats that movie. I'm, I'm curious. Yeah, he had like the auteur's touch on that. For sure. So. And uh, let's not forget Greta Gerwig hanging out, being only the like, what, fifth woman director nominated for best director. And Lady Bird was good. I liked it. Mm, I haven't seen it yet, so. It's got Laurie Metcalf in it, who I oh adore. Oh, God. <laughs> let's give her, I'm, let's give her an award. She's nominated. Maybe she won one. We don't know. <laughs> I'm hoping, my fingers are crossed, we'll see. <laughs> well, listeners have already seen. I'm I'm holding out. I'm really hoping Margot Robbie wins for I, Tanya. Oh, okay. Because she fucking just knocked it out of the park. It's like, A, Margot Robbie was great in that. Allison Janney played her mom in that movie. Ah, oh, so good. You don't think Allison Janney should win for Best Supporting Actress, or do you? I do, I do. But I want Margot Robbie to win more, because That's Allison a tough Janney... one. That's a tough one, because, like, you know, the Academy tends to be like, we'll give it to one, but not the other, in, like, an actress-actor category. Like, you don't often get supporting actor and actor winning, so... Yeah, and I feel that uh, Best Actress is probably going to go to Frances McDormand. I haven't seen Three Billboards yet. Friend of the podcast, Bettina McKelvey, did not care for that yeah, movie. Yeah, and I've heard, uh, you know... T- um, X-rated movies Twitter follower <laughs> Louis Vertel uh, also did not like it. So, wait, does he follow our podcast? I meant the other way around. Oh. Follow E, <laughs> follow, follow E. Is that how that works? Uh, he also did not like it. Who? And I like his opinion on things. And I like his uh, face on things. <laughs> My mother really liked Three Billboards, though. Yeah, I know a lot of mothers that liked it. Oh, really? The writer-director, Martin McDonough, his movies are uh, okay. He did Seven Psychopaths, and he did In Bruges. Mm-hmm. And I like Seven Psychopaths. In Bruges was eh. I thought In Bruges was okay. But he used to be a playwright, and I saw one of his plays like 10 years ago, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it was phenomenal. Oh. And I've seen a couple of his plays since, and I even have a book of like one-act plays on my shelf over there that, that he did. He, you know, he's an Irish drunk. The criticism I've heard, I think, stem from the fact that he's not American and doesn't quite understand America's problem with race. Like, it's an outsider trying to grasp, like, America's racial problem. And it sounds like it's all about this white guy getting some redemption for some race. White white woman. White woman getting, you know, getting redemption in in a racist, from, like, past racial issues which is like i mean i know not not that the irish are known for their racial sensitivity (laughs) uh seems like back padding though it's like good for us for making this movie you know um i don't i haven't seen it i haven't seen it so like i can't like (laughs) criticize wildly though (laughs) it's a lot of fun so yeah maybe that's just tainting my view maybe it's because i've been a fan of him for many many years now you know he's always kind of tackled taboo subjects like in everything he does there's like the idea of like infanticide or like child murder oh okay like everything he does has that in mm-hmm. it i can see the appeal <laughs> and this has it too because it's like francis mcdormand's daughter was like killed and like the police like didn't help or something like that so it's okay. like yeah 
I mean, I'm still holding out for the write-in candidate, Valerian, and the oh. <laughs> Planet of a Thousand Cities. You the never best know. actor, right? <laughs> yeah. Because I remember you thought Dane DeHaan just blew you away. Today's movie is the 1990 neo-noir film directed by Stephen Frears. The Grifters. So how much of this podcast is going to be devoted to Stephen Topolowski? <laughs> well, these two... I'm sorry. These three pages are about him and his career and his podcast. And uh, the... the Topolowski re- Files? Yeah. Does he continue it as a podcast? I, it looks like it is. Yeah. Oh, because I, I used to listen to it on NPR all the time. Oh, yeah. But I mean, it ended, I don't know, five years ago now, maybe more. Oh, but I definitely used to listen to it on NPR. And it was weird because my first exposure to him was in Gliggy, where he played like the psychotic music teacher. You just got poked. Poked by the dagger. You knew him from Glee before Groundhog Day? Oh, I'd seen Groundhog's Day like when I was young. Oh, okay. okay. But I didn't like remember him. <laughs> okay. Ned Ryerson. Now, don't you tell me you don't remember me because I sure as heck fire remember you. I mean, to be fair, I only know that An- I only know who Andy McDowell is because of Magic Mike Double XL. <laughs> God, maybe I'm just really old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I- I'd seen Groundhog's Day before I'd seen Glee, but I remembered Glee more. <laughs> great character actor, though. Great character. This movie has a couple great character actors in it. Anyway, it's, uh... <laughs> It's a movie. It's focusing on three characters, none of whom we've mentioned yet. One is John Cusack. Uh, Roy. Roy. One is Annette Benning. K- Kira? Kylie? Mm. I only know her by her last name. Begins with a K. Mm. Uh, and then uh, the fabulous Angelica Houston playing Lily. Fabulous isn't a strong enough word for Angelica Houston. God. This is her at the peak of her game. She's she's an actress I could do a double feature about. I know. <laughs> Once I started watching this, I was like, shit, we should have saved this for a double feature. Doesn't matter. A plus in in this role for her from her. Actually, A plus acting from those from those uh from all of our leads, I would I, say. I, I feel like John Cusack is a little stiff in his physical acting. When I listen to him, I'm like, no no no, no. he he's nailing the lines, but I feel like he's a little wooden yeah in maybe his serviceable might be a better um, way to describe him but i mean i i kind of always feel that way about john cusack yeah uh he's never blown me away now that i'm thinking about it no he's in a lot of movies that i like but i i don't necessarily think that he's i mean i haven't seen you know say anything annette benning though that scene where she gets naked i'm like damn which one <laughs> there's two <laughs> well like the one where she's seducing her landlord yes yeah, yeah yeah the automatic clutch joe it comes with the deluxe upholstery and the high speed wiry zone if i was a lady if i could have that bod she looks great i mean and she's like in her later 20s uh well when this movie was made like 28 or so you you say that as if that's so old (laughs) well by hollywood standards but it's like i see that and i'm like oh that's why warren Beatty fucking put it away for her oh yeah 
And that happened right after this movie. Oh, was it? He probably saw this movie and was like, uh, <laughs> need to lock that down. Well, they met on Bugsy. Which I think was, was the next year. And this was like, what, 88, 89? This, this one technically came out at the end of 1990. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, Bugsy, I think, was the next year or the year after. Okay, so she probably made this like just before. I think or... it was just before. before. Okay. Uh, yeah, and she she looks hot. She looks great. She has a weird haircut, I, which I'm not sure if I like or not, but she look she looks great. Well, I mean, it's to make her look like Angelica Houston, right? Right. Who also has a weird wig. <laughs> I think this movie is kind of spectacular because I've made the argument in the past that why make a movie when you could just read the book? Sometimes you know, like it's 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 not enough to just have a good story. Like you need more than that. This might be one of the exceptions to that because I think the story is so engaging and so twisty and so plot driven and then supported by really great performances that it's almost like, I don't want to read the book. Mm. I want to watch this movie. It's a little trick that somehow I I don't understand how the, how it makes me feel that way, but I love it (laughs) because it is all about plot. Noir movies, like when they're really good, they kind of make it seem like like they have a really complex plot that seems really simple like mm-hmm. they just like well clearly all these twists and turns are just the natural progression of the story leading up to this yeah and i, I that, that's one of the, like i feel like the shining points of noir films is that they're very stylish yeah but the plot you know the, the for the good ones at least the plot is always just stellar like twists and turns like out the wazoo yeah uh and so then you have like super stylish filmmaking combined with like a twisty turny plot like that just makes fun movies. Oh yeah. I feel like this one almost is lacking a little bit in that style department. Mm. Not not entirely. There are definitely some good shots, but I I would have liked a little more oomph there. But the story is is fantastic. <laughs> and it's basically um uh, let's see. So Roy is uh Lily's son yes everybody by the way these these three characters are all grifters hence the title mm-hmm. uh i love how in the beginning uh we get two kind of versions of the same thing we see roy pulling the grift in small time and the bills he's using are tens and twenties it's called the short grift short grift thank you and then we get uh right after that we get angelica houston's uh grift and she's dealing in hundreds and thousands of dollars it's like it just immediately shows us that there is a difference between these two. Right. So Roy presents like a large bill at a bar, like he'll he'll hold it up like between his fingers and and order a cheap beer and hold up a twenty. Uh and then when the, the bartender comes to take the bill, he slips him a ten. Right. So then the change that he gets is greater than ten dollars, so he's making like a little little scratch on that transaction right. there. He makes $10 basically. Yeah. And he also like tries he fakes some guy out of some quarters where he makes a dollar 50. Which is, that that's a trick that's pretty good. <laughs> I like that trick. That was a deal. Dime for every quarter. But then we see Angelica Houston uh Lily she's working for the mob. Yes. And she let's see if I get this right. So she goes to races that uh, there's like long shot odds on a horse horse races yeah and uh, she goes to the to the races and uh, sways those odds by betting lots of money on long shots right which means that her bookie has to pay out less 
but since she's using his money, he still gets paid out. I don't understand entirely how it works. So, uh, what they're the the idea is that they're throwing the race, so the long shot is going to win. Right. But there's always a bunch of people who bet on the long shot. So what they what they're trying to do is lower the odds so that there's not as many people betting on it as a long shot win. Right. So they don't have to pay out as much. Right. And horse racing is already super complicated because like a like the odds change before the race. It's not like, you know, you can bet an hour before and those odds will be the same. Right. It's like they change based on the bets that are coming in. And so what she's doing is is changing those odds she's so that them. yeah the the bets go away from that. So even if you bought a uh, a ticket on like say the one that was 70 to 1 when the odds were 70 to 1, she comes in and throws it and that that horse wins you're only getting the odds of when they close it. Right. That's bullshit. So horse racing is like all sorts of complicated and it, it's like a stock market like it 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 goes up and down. Up and down until like the race starts essentially. Yeah, so what she's doing is essentially throwing the odds cuz like if you have a bookie and like they're fixing the race so the long shot wins, that bookie doesn't want to pay out that much. Mm-hmm. So she's making it so that bookie doesn't have to pay out that much. I see. And then so whatever she gets paid out, she probably takes her cut. And Th- they factored in that if she bets, so, like if she throws it so much by like putting like ten, twelve, fifteen thousand dollars on it, that's actually saving them probably fifty, sixty grand from their Payoff books on the other end. Got it. And so she gets a cut of that, and then has to send the rest back to right, right, yeah, Bubo, Bobo, 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 Bobo. Got it. And probably skims a little off the top. She even admits it and hides it in her trunk. Well, she is skimming off the top, and it's more than what she says to Bobo. <laughs> Yeah, so you know she's she's grifting Bobo as well. So uh, Roy, her son, mm-hmm. gets uh, hit in the stomach pretty hard, right? Because he's grifting a bartender who does not take well to it. Yeah, he hits, catches it, hits him with the baseball bat, which I thought was a little. I don't know. Baseball bat seemed unreasonable, but whatever. Maybe the bartender's having a bad day. So she she takes her son to the hospital, and she misses a horse race because of it, right? And this means that the long shot won, and the book he had to pay out big time. Yeah. Bobo's pissed. Bobo's pissed. And there's a scene when they're talking to one another when Bobo's asking. You're not skimming a thing, Lily? Oh, well, you know, clip a buck here and a buck there. Not enough to notice. That's right. Take a little, leave a little. person who don't look out for himself is too dumb to look out for anybody else. Which I had totally forgot was from this movie but i say all the time uh which i do i still like firmly believe it's turned into a life philosophy for you (laughs) (laughs) and i like the reasoning too that she's like because she's saying it to like her boss who may or may not kill her yeah that you know if they're not skimming a little that means they're working an angle and they're skimming a lot in some way or another yeah and i get that logic this is an interesting movie in that uh, most of the time when I think of grifters or con people, I would probably bust up like Mira's boyfriend husband at one point. I would I probably would crack under the pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the case of like a Lily character where she's pretty autonomous, mm-hmm. she just has to phone in and send the money. And as long as she's doing that, they're like, you know, do your thing here. Go to this race. Go to that. Like I could probably handle as long as it was like remote like that. 
I think that's a good way to go if you're going to be uh, a con person slash grifter. That seems pretty cake. Yeah, because the pressure itself doesn't seem that hard. She just has to like watch the numbers come in and not draw attention to herself. Right. Whereas Mira and her old partner, mm-hmm. they ran the long, the long con. And they had to act in it, front of people. It's like you on commission sales. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Forget about it. Yeah, they had a whole performance that like went on for like weeks, it looked like. Yeah. Because, yeah, because then the, the person that they were trying to dupe had to uh, sell stocks, etc., to get the money and, like, get it in cash form and bring it in, which is, you know, back in those days probably took several Before months. digital transactions. Yeah. I don't know. Because they have to make the check out, and then you'd have to go to the bank to cash it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So what's his name? Roy ends up getting pretty bad, in a bad place from that... From that uh, baseball bat and that he has he's bleeding internally and she lily drops by just in time and takes him to the hospital calls the doctor and i like the line where she's like my son is going to be all right if not i'll have him killed it's a great line reading from angelica houston not from uh the way she says anything but her eyes look mad (laughs) she looks insane she looks like she's gonna lose it you know Mm -hmm. um it's really good acting on that line but then there's a whole drama in the hospital because that's when she meets mira and they do not get along the no. claws come out no really your boy's mother mm-hmm. that's impossible not quite but i'm not sure who you are mrs langtree was it i'm roy's friend yes i imagine you're lots of people's friend oh oh of course now that I see you in the light, you're plenty old enough to be Roy's mother. Aren't we all? I mean, the movie doesn't even really pass the Bechtel test. Because, <laughs> like, all they talk about is Roy in yeah. that hospital scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they might say something like, oh, you're Roy's mother, but it's, like, still in the context, like, oh, it's not, oh, you're Lily. It's, oh, you're this man's mother. Right, right, right. So they do not get along. She misses her horse race, which we which we talked about, and um, there's a great scene when she comes back to the hospital and like, it's actually a cool shot too. Like Stephen Frears, not the most stylish director, but once in a while he gets a good one in, and this one is like a high shot of a car pulling into the hospital parking lot. You see Annette Benning crossing the street and like just a car going honk, mm-hmm. and then like pulling around as the camera's slowly coming down to rest, like where the car parks. And then uh, Angelica Houston gets out of the car and is like, Oh, hi, Myra. I didn't recognize you. No, I'm sure you didn't. Drops her keys, picks them up, does a little booty bump, and like <laughs> moves on. It's pretty good. And I guess, yeah, now's as good a point of any as any to bring up that, like, I don't think, I don't think Stephen Frears has enough good movies to be considered a great director. But... He's got some really good movies yeah, to his name. Like, I feel like he's he's really put it, put on autopilot as of late, but that in sort of like the mid 80s to like the early aughts, like he he has some chops. Yeah. I mean, Dangerous Liaisons was a movie I almost did. Oh yeah. That's a great movie. It's such a good movie. And I even like I even like some of his later stuff like The Queen, I oh, think is Queen's a really great. good movie. Oh yeah, definitely. Um and I really liked Florence Foster Jenkins. I don't know, that's maybe a I saw the play, so <laughs> 
that's maybe a gray area, but I liked it. Um, but he, I think what makes him a really strong director is that he he manages to to coax really good performances out of his actors. Yeah, absolutely. Like, and he also chooses subject matter that I wouldn't necessarily myself think would be interesting. Like the Queen. Like on paper, that sounds like the most boring ass movie. It's so good though. But it is. It, it that... really is good. He picks subject matter that I wouldn't necessarily think would be interesting and makes it interesting. And I think it's because he can coax really believable, interesting performances out of his characters. And he's got sort of an old school directing style where like you don't notice it necessarily. Yeah. Uh... But it feels deliberate. Like there are a lot of choices in this movie where I was like, that is that feels right. That feels like mm. a good director's choice. Yeah. For example, there it, we get to a point when like Roy wants to meet up with Lily and we've kind of realized that that's maybe because there's a sexual thing between them. But then like she's talking to him on the phone in her hotel and it's a completely clean hotel. And then it cuts to her bedroom again and it's just littered with clothing. <laughs> and it so it's like you know that she's been trying on clothes, oh. trying to come up with the right outfit to wear for him coming over. Oh, I and didn't notice that. Yeah, so it's like it's small stuff like that that it's like that's a that takes a deliberate director's touch to make that to make that choice, you know? Like it all feels really deliberate, which is nice. So, I saw this movie years ago. I actually saw it with the person I lost me virginity to. Oh. I don't remember his name. Oh. That's how unimportant he is. Uh, so if you're listening, Matt's a virgin, virginity taker. <laughs> the guy who punched my V-card. Don't be offended. You should be. But I watched it based on my mom's recommendation. Oh, wow. Like, she was like, oh, yeah, if you want to see Angelica Houston act, watch The Grifters. Is this an awkward movie to have your mom <laughs> recommend to you? It, like, in retrospect, I'm like, gross. <laughs> mom. But, yeah, so I, I'd watched it, and, yeah, it was with the guy. I think his name was Eric. <laughs> uh, the guy I lost my virginity to. I mean, this was... 15 years ago almost oh, okay and i remember watching the movie and thinking that, like it was fine and i remember i felt that the incest themes at the time i was like uh it's felt kind of felt kind of shoehorned watching it this time it, like it's all over the place yeah so there's the recurring theme that people are mistaking one for the other yeah which you can kind of blow off because it's like Oh, you know, people always fall for someone like their mother, right? Like, you can kind of blow that off a yeah, little bit. Yeah, but it's like other people thinking that. Like, Lily goes to that hotel, mm-hmm. uh, and she wants a room around back. And then Mira comes in and also right. rents a room there. Ooh, ooh, ooh. And the the woman who's running that, uh, Frances Bay, another great character actress. The, yeah, she is solid character actress. Oh, man. Happy Gilmore. Uh, she was uh, the old lady with the marble rye in Seinfeld. You cannot turn down... $50 for a $6 rye? No. Watch me. I also remember her from uh, In the Mouth of Madness, where she also plays an innkeeper. Hmm. <laughs> so. But it's like she, after renting a room to Lily, Mira comes in. She goes, Something wrong? Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were the other lady. No, I'm me. And that, this time around for me, was the moment when it really solidifies that, like, these two look a lot alike. Yeah. Which is late in the movie. It it is late, but, like, 
they do it a couple times, but like I feel like the second half of the movie is when the themes start really sinking together. Yeah. Like the first half of the movie we we see the characters like doing their stuff and like a lot of stuff is thrown out there. Mm-hmm. And then in the second half of the movie is like when things start really solidifying together. Yeah. Because uh, when Lily goes to talk to Roy, the concierge or whatever, that rambling old man at the front desk. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was like, Evening, Mr. Langtree. There is this scene that they're constantly being mistaken for one another. Right. Which feeds into the idea that Roy wants to bang his mom. Yeah. Right. Um, and then at the very beginning, when we're introduced to Mira, she's at the jewelers with Stephen Topolowski, and he's telling her that while this like wristband or the, the, this uh, yeah wristband bracelet. bracelet. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't go to Coachella or anything. <laughs> While it's on very fine, like, platinum, the diamonds themselves are counterfeits. Right. And I feel like that's what she is. Like, she's a very fine counterfeit for Lily. The fine setting and workmanship usually means precious stones. It always hurts me when I find they're not. I always hope I'm mistaken. So watching it this time and like knowing that there's this incest theme, like I I didn't pick up the first time that I watched this years and years ago that that Mira was supposed to be like Roy vicariously banging his mom yeah through her, but knowing that and like I see things leading up to that now. Even him kind of maybe subconsciously picking up on the fact that she's a grifter Mm -hmm. and his mom is a grifter. Yeah. Like there's a lot of parallels there. And there's even like moments when she does the first time that Lily shows up at his apartment, he like sits up and you know, when the, when the concierge guy is like, it's your mother, he like sits up, gets dressed. And there's, there's just a few moments in there too, where it's like, she kisses him on the lips, even after not seeing him for eight years, she's like, hi. And you're sort of like, that's very forward for not seeing someone for eight years, you know? Mm -hmm. And she gives off impressions too, that she's, she has seduced him in the past or always had it dangling out there in a way that fucks up your kid, you know, like, (laughs) Yeah, it's there. It's always in the air. Yeah, and it was definitely something that I I didn't pick up on in my first viewing. Granted, mm. I was 17 yeah. the first time I watched this. You also uh, didn't pick up that uh, you know X2 had gay overtones. So I was also trying to bang the person next to me while watching this. So. <laughs> You're excused. You're excused. <laughs> but watching it now and like knowing what was in store, I was like, Oh, yeah, that's gross. So this is maybe my third or fourth time watching this movie, and it gets better every time. The first time I saw it was sort of, I was like, okay, and like came away with from it thinking like, that was a real twist at the end, pretty fucked up. But then every time I've seen it subsequently, it's been, it just feels richer every yeah, time I see it. I, I 100% agree, because yeah, the first time I watched it, I'm like, oh, that was fine. Like, I don't remember, I was like, I don't know why my mom was... <laughs> all on board with this movie but you know whatever and then i watched it this time and i actually rewatched probably the second half twice like once lily is outed to bobo yeah i watched that part twice because i really felt like that's when the movie kind of kicks into a different gear and really kind of becomes something unique yeah like before that it's just like 
people grifting, talking about grifting, like doing grifts. Mm-hmm. And then the second half, I was like, oh no, this is when like the wheels get into motion and like things start like moving forward in like a real speed. Yeah. What's nice about the story is that it doesn't feel like a house of cards situation where you feel like it's all been building up and then it's all just going to collapse at some point. It really feels like this thing happened, which led to this thing, which led to this thing, which led to this thing, which is fun to watch from a story level because you really don't know what's going to happen. You know, you don't see how these dominoes are going to fall. Whereas like, you know, in a House of Cards situation, which happens in a lot of noirs, you see this building and then you just know it's eventually something's going to happen to make it all fall apart. That isn't exactly what happens here, you know? You don't it's, get it's, the... a, it's a domino effect rather than a House of Cards. Yeah, which is a completely different game. <laughs> I feel like people don't write that way anymore. Yeah, and I feel like it's a little bit more unpredictable when you do a domino effect as opposed to a house of cards. For sure, yeah. House of cards, like, it's, you know, it's all going to collapse. Like, who's going to survive? Like, it's that sort of thing. This is like, what is going to happen next? Right. We don't know what turn this is going to take. It keeps you guessing. So I'd heard about being beat with oranges before. But I don't think I had really known about, like, the ins and outs of it, like, the backstory of it. Like, I had heard that, like, getting beat with oranges, like, makes bruises look worse than they are. But this, it kind of gives you the backstory that it's, like, you know, it's how you frame insurance companies. Like, you do it right, you have these big gnarly bruises on you that you can take the insurance company. Right. But, as you learn from this movie, if you do it wrong... You can get... What? Permanent damage. You never shit right again. I'm really glad you're bringing this up because I brought a towel and a bag full of oranges. (laughs) (laughs) And let's try it, man. We we figured out how to do it right. (laughs) So, uh, just bend over, Ryan. (laughs) I don't don't think you're supposed to insert the oranges, Matt. I don't... (laughs) This seems this seems wrong. I do really like that scene. It's really fucked. It's hard to see Angelica Houston get punched in the stomach and burned on the hand with a cigar. But it is cool because there's a lot of it. It's an interesting scene because it ties a lot of threads together because she, you know, saves Roy who gets punched in the stomach and literally doesn't have the stomach for the grift mm. where she has to come save him. And then she gets punched in the stomach. She takes the punch, falls to the ground, goes, throws up, but still can like stand and continue her day. There is sort of a, a theme that Angelica Houston appears weaker than she actually is. Yeah. Because a lot of times like she looks like, you know, she's on the verge of a breakdown or that she's like at the end of a rope or that she's, you know, in over her head. But she always kind of ends up on top in all those situations. And, like, there's a scene near the end where she's like, Bobo's good, but I'm also good or I'm better or something like that. And, like, she kind of is. Like, it's not the way that, like, she walks or carries herself, but it's just the fact that she does survive all these things. I think it was Stephen Frears didn't want to do this movie at first, was presented with the script and was like, I don't know, it seems too dark. But then someone presented to him is like well why don't we look at this as a story about a woman who will do anything to survive and then he was like okay i can get on board with that okay because that is basically kind of the crux of the whole thing is that she will do anything (laughs) i was gonna say when when we get to the end i do have a question (laughs) but real fast just like another nice director's touch in this is during that orange scene um just before that happens we get that scene of the concierge talking with the maid about towels 
And he's like, and she's like, do I, what do I do oh, if they're wet? Folded, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So he goes on about towels, which seems like pointless and stupid. But then the next, very next scene is him. Like he says, go get a towel. Yeah. And then they wrap it in oranges. So it's like, it's all connected in that way, which is really, I like that scene nice. too, because it's very character revealing. Like it shows that Bobo's tough. Like a, he punches a, you know, 40 plus year old woman in the stomach. Yeah. Oh, she's 39 or 40. And when this movie was made, I looked it up. Oh, Angelica Houston was? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Which age appropriate. Yeah. Because, yeah, she's supposed to be 14 years older than John Cusack. Yeah. Nowadays, they would, and he's 25. So, yeah, oh, 39. That's perfect. And that's how, that's the age she was in this. So, it's like nowadays, you know, they'd be casting like a 22 year old. They'd be, be like, yeah. play old. <laughs> so, good for, good for that. What Emma ima- Stone, you're playing a 55 year old woman. <laughs> Imagine, age appropriate actress. Imagine. No, that is, that is good. I, I like that, actually. Yeah. You also get the impression that he's going to do much worse to her because there's those bodyguards in there. Well, that's why I feel like it's so character revealing because he sends them out. Yeah, he's like, go take a walk, And it's not that he doesn't rough her up or it's not that he doesn't psychologically mess with her. Yeah. But it's like, he knows, like, you have to be punished somehow. Yeah. But I like you. And I think he changes his mind because on the car right over there where she's driving him, he, I think he was planning for something much worse for her. But I think that he realizes that... When she says, like, look, I'm not lying. The reason I missed the race was because I was taking care of my son, who's going to die. My son was in the hospital. What the fuck are you doing with his son? He left home a long time ago. He was in the hospital up in Los Angeles. He was real sick. Motherhood. I think he believes her. And he's like, okay, that's a legit excuse. He still gives her the raincoat. Oh, yeah. And he roughs her up. And I, well, I think it was because, like, if she walks out with a raincoat, everyone, anyone who sees it will think that she got roughed up. Oh, like it's a sick, like it's Yeah, a... I think it's, like, a little putting on airs is that, like, if she walks out with a raincoat, like, if she walked in without one yeah. and walked out with one, everyone will think that she got roughed up real bad. Mm, like there's bruises on her arms or something that she's covering up or something Right. Like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, at least that that's my idea sure. of it. That, sure, sure, sure. That he he didn't, that he wants to scare her for sure, and he did. Uh, well, and he also beats her. I mean, and he, he burns does beat her. her. Yeah. Puts, puts his cigar out on the back of her hand. Mm. Which is, God, as a grifter, you want to stand out as little as possible. And now she's got this crazy scar on the back of her hand. I think back to our James Bond thing where you're like, if someone came up to me and ordered like martini, shake and not stir, like blah, 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 you'd be on my radar. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So that really is like, mm, that sucks. It almost seems counterintuitive because it's like you don't want your agents to be noticeable. And now she's got this crazy hand scar. So whatever. Also, he eats an orange really weird. (laughs) He, like, sucks the juice out of it. Yeah, he just drinks the juice. I took a note. I was like, is that a thing? Was that how people get, like, orange juice before there were juicers? <laughs> Maybe if, like, oranges are so abundant that you don't need to actually feel, like, the need to eat it, you just cut the top off and drink it. What, is this, like, Japan where, like, oranges are rare and you give them as gifts to, like, show your affluence? I don't know. Which... I don't think think is actually a thing. I just picked it up from Seinfeld. <laughs> Do we have California or Florida listeners who know who are around oranges all oh, the time? Orange industry aficionados. <laughs> Please tweet at us. We've got to know. We've got to know more about this 
drinking straight from the orange situation. Anyway, speaking, I mean, speaking of character, uh, that that definitely my shows my Bobo. official note is strangest way to eat an orange ever. <laughs> Bobo's not in this not in this a lot, honestly, and we 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 get a lot of development. We know a lot about his character from what we do see. Bobo, played by Pat Hengel or and or Commissioner Gordon from the Tim Burton Batman movies. Right. I knew I'd seen him before. Mm-hmm. Uh, eventually, Mira, she makes a whole case to team up with Roy because she's like, you're my Prince Charming and I've kissed a lot of frogs. And he's like, no, you're too much like my mom. This is gross. And she's like, ew, you love your mother. I, already, I can see it. And he hits her and he's like, this isn't me. And they kind of break up and as she's leaving she has the best line she just goes and you don't even know it but then she gets pissed about that and so she's like well i'm gonna go kill lily now yeah because lily has fucked me royally and so she's gonna go take out lily so first she tips off bobo that lily's been taking money off the top a lot of it and so lily runs because somebody tips her off that bobo knows now and they go to that hotel in Phoenix. Mira tries to kill her, but fails. But we don't know that right away. Right. It's the, a nice little twist when you do find it, figure it out. I mean, it's sort of the the, the, the classic uh, bait and switch. Yeah. Um, we see Mira sneak into Lily's room and start strangling her. Mm-hmm. And the scene stops short of actually seeing Lily dead. Right. Then it cuts to Roy and policemen are... And the the policeman is another great character actor. Yeah. Calls Roy in to I- identify the body. The body. And I like how they they also explain, like, we typically don't do next of kin in this situation, but... Her face and dental records are gone because yeah. her face was blown off. <laughs> right. Roy comes in, but he kind of knows the score. Mm-hmm. Because uh, he looks at her hand and there's no burn mark. Right. But he still says, it's that, my mom. He's like, that's her. Yeah. It's actually a really nice little encapsulated scene because it starts off with them walking into that morgue, whatever it is. And he goes, not many laughs in this room, huh? And then it ends with him laughing. Mom. Oh, Lily. <sighs> it's nice. It's just like small stuff like that is really nice. Anyway, I guess he just goes home at that point. And that's when he sees that sh- he runs into Lily. She's at his place. Yeah. Stealing the money that he's been holding in his ugly... Sad clown, clown paintings. <laughs> yeah. And then we get the the showdown, the final showdown of the movie, which is intense. Yeah. When I first watched this movie, because the incest themes did not really come fully across to me, it felt shoehorned, I guess I should say, when I first watched it. This time, like, oh, no, like, it's been pretty well established that Mira and Lily are fairly interchangeable, like, from a distance. Yeah. And I don't think we've mentioned yet that Lily had Roy when she was 14. Yeah. So there's not a huge age discrepancy between them. In fact, when they were growing up, Lily used to say that she was his kid brother. Right. And they call each other by their first names. So when, whenever Roy calls her mom or says mom, it only happens like two or three times. It's a real insult feeling, you know, like oh. it's a real way to kind of hurt her feelings. Okay. Um, even though she's happy to remind him that I gave you life. Thanks, mom. 
That's right. I just give you your life. What you do with it is up to you. But yeah, she eventually, she needs his money. The cops think that Mira is Lily. Yes. And so she's kind of trying to make a break. Mira's actually dead at this point. Yes. Lily shot her when Mira snuck into Lily's room and tried to strangle her. Yeah. And so she's trying to make a break. And to do that, she needs money. And uh, so she's stealing Roy's and he won't let her. He's like, you need to make a new life for yourself. You can't be on the grift forever. And at 40, yeah, maybe maybe he's got a point, Lily. You should probably listen. But um, she won't do it. She's not hearing it. And so she makes her final gambit when she realizes he won't give it to her of, well, I can always try seducing you. Yeah. Roy, what if I told you that I wasn't really your mother, that we weren't related? What? You'd like that, wouldn't you? Sure you would. You don't have to tell me. Really, Jesus, what are you doing? Nothing at all. It's not a tongue kiss, but it is open mouth. Like he kind of he turns away, like turns his face away. Uh huh. But it's not because he doesn't want to do it. It's because he knows that what is about to happen is wrong. And you get the impression that she like, I don't know. It feels like the universal Hollywood symbol of somebody coming up and then like a crotch grab. It seems like that happened. She grabbed him by his pussy. Yes, is what you're saying. Yes, you get that. I get that feeling. It almost looks like she puts her hand down his pants, which is like, ugh. It was real uncomfortable to watch this time because I can't quite articulate why it was more uncomfortable this time than last time. Maybe it's because I'm more attuned to things like foreshadowing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But watching it this time, I was like, this is gross. Because <laughs> she's selling it. Like, I'm not detecting any hesitation on her end. She's in this to win. Yeah. To survive. Yeah. And if like, that takes seducing her son, she's going to do it. And for, my memory is that she tried to seduce her son because, like, she was grifted into it. Like, that she, she had to get this money from her son to, like, pay back Bobo. Like, that's the way I remembered it. Yeah. And I think that now looking at it, I was like, I think that's just the way like I justified the grossness in my head <laughs> because she she's trying to seduce her son for her own ends. Yeah, she's not paying off Bobo. She wants to make a run for it. Right. And that's even worse. Like if she was trying to seduce him because otherwise she'd be killed, which I mean isn't necessarily not the situation, but no one's forcing her to seduce her son. Yeah. This is of her own accord. And that is nasty. It is. It's pretty gross. But it speaks to a woman who is so desperate. At the end of a rope. To do to survive that she will do a this. A woman in trouble. I mean. And then can't remember exactly why, but she breaks away. Grabs the... He turns away. Like, she goes in for the kiss, and he turns away. Okay. And then that's when she takes her moment to grab the briefcase full of money. He starts drinking his glass of ice water. 
and she grabs the briefcase and slams it in his face, accidentally breaking the glass, which goes into his juggler, and, uh... Alright, You can hear him... Roy. Gagging. Like, you can hear the blood spurting, like, it's in the sound design. So she essentially kills him. Like the shard of glass goes into his neck. Yeah. And she's crying. She's legitimately upset. But she takes the money and goes. This is my one big question for the night. Is there a moral to this movie? Are we supposed to root for Angelica Houston? I don't. Then why should we be satisfied with her winning? I don't think she does. Because A, now she's haunted, and B, who's prime suspect number one after his girlfriend and he dies? But no... Well, they're probably going to think it's it's Mira because they think that the, the woman who died is her and he dies, so they're going to be looking for Mira. Well, they're going to be looking for a woman who looks like Mira... <laughs> And guess who looks like Mira? <laughs> I just, after like the accidental homicide, uh-huh. there's that wonderful scene of her going down the elevator. Yeah. Like she She's a stone cold bitch going down in that old style elevator. And it looks like, cool because she's in a red dress. Oh, against, that's like, the a black great gate. looking scene. It's a great looking scene. And like, I don't even know what it means, but like I am on board emotionally with yeah. this scene. Yeah. And it's like, she drives off. And then the movie and ends. And the end. We don't know if she gets away and with it. And I watched it, I was like, is, what, what is the fucking moral of this? It, don't it's be not a even like a, It's not even a Woody Allen sort of like, there, there is no meaning to our actions. Mm-hmm. I, this feel, I don't know. I, I'm conflicted because we have equal screen time between John Cusack, Annette Benning, and Angelica Houston in this. And the culmination of it is that Angelica Houston kills her son, mm-hmm. her kin, takes his money and goes. Like, in, in, a, in a moralistic sense, she wins. But I think it's at a cost that she wasn't expecting. Like, she has lived her whole life from uh, the standpoint that, like, I need to survive, I need to make it for me, and her child hasn't meant, or she thought her child didn't mean anything to her. Okay. And suddenly, when he dies, I mean, via her own hands, she's realizing that, like, it did matter. But she still wins. But now she has to live with the fact that she killed her kid. Like, she seems desperate when she's getting the the money. But in a purely dramatic sense, if if the hero getting what they want is victory, if that's a happy ending, like, does this meet that, like, I don't know if there's a hero in this story. Like, there's no one that's doing anything that's just in here. Yeah. But... Angelica Houston does get what she wants. She wants the money more than anything. Does she actually deserve to get that money? 
I think she wants to survive more than anything, and that the means of that yeah. are stealing money from Does her Does she kids. deserve to survive? Like, that's my big conflict, is that I don't think she necessarily deserves to survive, and she, at least in the frame of the movie, does. Like, if that's what she wants most, and... and in the movie, that's what she gets. Like, is that right? Like, is should this but be we, construed but as... But she has to live with the fact that she killed Roy. Yeah. Like, is that a victory if she's still stuck with that knowledge? So is, it, is this a happy ending or a sad ending? I mean, if we're, if we're defining a happy and sad ending by the hero either getting what they want or not getting what they, they, they want, what would you say this i guess i just don't think it's that black and white because i think that she gets it's a mixed bag she gets the money and therefore can survive but it comes at the price of killing her child which she wasn't expecting to do and that is uh that really clouds this win for her so it's an ambiguous ending and you know what them's the apples as they say (laughs) no one's ever said that (laughs) hashtag them's the apples this movie and i think it gets better every time i watch it no so, it, like it, it definitely got better if when you I, when i rewatched it yeah if you haven't seen it please watch it if you have seen it i recommend a rewatch because this one is better second third time around if for any other reason then you just want to see angelica houston fucking steal the scenery yeah, like, kill it she kills it yeah matt yeah this is your first pick of our seventh season. God, it feels like it's been so long. What are we going to watch? I've been doing themes the last couple seasons. Okay. I'm still doing themes. Oh, God, we got a new theme. This is a looser theme. The theme for me this season is just going to be capital A art. So it's either going to be movies that make sense more emotionally than logically, or that movies that are I feel are so just imaginative that they sort of defy solid reasoning like they're so creative that they're they're clearly the work of like one inspired vision than anything else yeah this is right up my alley i'm ready to talk about those kind of shit well next week get your edibles handy because it's gonna be a trip we're doing beyond the black rainbow what year is it from like 2013 okay but when you watch it you're gonna be like Oh, this is like a 1980s, you know, uh, altered states sort of movie. Please don't tell me anything. I'm ready to just ju- jump into an imaginative. I could tell you everything, and you wouldn't know anything about it. <laughs> Does this mean like Holy Mountain is on the is on the horizon? Full disclosure: no Yodorowsky, no Guy Madden, no David Lynch. I have lined up. So if you want to jump on board this little bandwagon I got going. Uh, that was fun with the horror ones when I threw a couple in there. So yeah. maybe I'll do it this time too. So, but no, this time around, uh, I'm doing like hard art. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag hard art. I think it's time to plug our junk. Okay, let's plug our junk. Well, first things first, rate, review, subscribe in the Apple Podcast arena. Go to our new website, xraymovies.com. We have a bunch of new content up, and uh, I'm kind of happy with it. 
There's a lot more to navigate there. There's season guides. If, if if you're ever curious about like where to start or what movies you might be interested in watching, we have like a staff picks section now. So, yeah, we we have built up such a backlog of episodes that we've decided to say here's where some good places to start are mm-hmm. you so you don't have to start from the beginning we've also got a twitter which is x-rated movies um we also have a gmail account which is x.rated.movies at gmail.com and i very strongly recommend you pay attention to our twitter account because in the coming weeks i plan on posting a twitter poll for what movie I'm going to make Matt watch, and I really want everyone who listens to chime in as to what I want to make him suffer through. I've already said too much. Uh, Choice one, two girls, one cup. (laughs) Uh, Choice two, one guy, one jar. (laughs) Choice three, Mystic Pizza. Lemon Party. (laughs) So we would love to see what everyone thinks Matt should watch. And then follow us on Facebook. We have a, like a little page or group or whatever you want to call it there. And it's a good way to find out what's coming up next. I think that's it, right? Yes. Excellent. Well, next week we've got Beyond the Black Rainbow. Yeah. I can't imagine what that means. And I'm excited. Get your tincture ready. Until then, you um, stink. I hate you. That's a quote from the grifters. I'm just going to turn the microphone away from me. (laughs) Bye.